כתובות ת"ט עמוד ב' The story of David and בת שבע כל היוצא למלחמת בית דוד גט כותב לאשתו So the um, story of, of David and בית שבע is complicated, it's difficult, it's an agonizing, tragic story uh, in, in Tanakh, in Shmuel Bet Uh, and we all know that one of the worst things that one can do both halachically and and morally is is have an affair with somebody else's wife um that that's kind of the lowest thing of, of, of uh, and yet it seems as if that's what our hero David Amelech has actually done uh what does it mean it's something that sits at the back of our minds and worries us uh and it, it's very clear in the in the story in uh, in Perikud Aleph and Shmuel Bez Uh, it says very clearly, Vayera hadavar asher asa David b'enei Hashem. You can say what you want to spin it this way or spin it that way. At the end of the day, the Tanakh is very clear. Hashem was displeased with what David had done. And yes, David does. Tshuva afterwards in all his life, v'chatatin egdi tamid, the um, David Amir says, my son is always present. He recognizes the, the Avera. But how do we even begin to understand it? One of the beautiful things about Tanakh is That there's no attempt to hide the the flaws of people unlike some other religious texts where the religious heroes are made into flawless human beings um, we're not even our greatest heroes Moshe Rabbein has slipped up David Amelech slipped up um, slipping up is part of life making a mistake is part of life doing wrong is part of life as I'll say that the Chuva was created before the world. Uh, before the Briya Sa'ilam, Tshuva was already created. If Tshuva was created, that means the capacity to sin had already been created. So the whole world is built on the premise that people will mess up and repair themselves, mess up and repair themselves. That's what life is. Life is, is trying, doing one's best, working one's way through things, slipping up, picking oneself up, and, and, and fixing, repairing, improving, growing. Life is a messy business, and, and Tanakh makes no, no attempt to hide the messiness of life, even among our, our heroes. And then we've got the uh, famous Gemara and Shabbos Tavnu involved that we had, where Rav Shmuel Ba'anachmeni says in the name of Rabbi, Rabbi Yonason, and that's important as to who the author of the comment is, David even though we've just learned, David if you say David sinned, you're making a mistake because you don't understand what actually happened. So you'll understand when an ordinary person says, David sinned, you're making a mistake because your concept of what happened there is, is flawed. <speaking> in <Hebrew> It says in, in Tanakh, David was very successful and in everything he did, Hashem was with him. <speaking in Hebrew> is that possible? He could have done such a terrible thing and the Shekhinah is with him? So how do we understand Natan Anovi's comment to David, why have you disgraced the word of Hashem? He almost did terrible, something terribly wrong, but he didn't quite do that. Our Gemara in Ksubis deals with it from a very technical side um, rather than from a moral side. Uh, and our Gemara deals at the end of, uh, of Daftes and with We're talking about the we call it, that, that event which occurred. We don't even want to mention it by name. Uh, 
Why was she, Batsheva, not Asura? What's the story? David sees Batsheva when she's, uh, she's uh, bathing, bathing herself, and he sees her in the distance, falls in love with her on whatever level that, that is, spiritually, physically, everything together, uh, invites her to the palace, discovers who she is. She's the wife of Uriah Achiti, uh, spends the night with her, or she spends the night with him. She goes back the next day, She finds that she's pregnant, tells David that she's pregnant. David calls Uriah Hachiti back from the front lines of the war, back from the battle that's going on with Ammon, and instructs him to go home so that it should, nobody will know whose child it is. Uh, Uriah Hachiti is a very upright man and doesn't want to go home uh, while his brethren are fighting a battle, so he sleeps outside the palace. David invites him to dinner the next night, makes him happy with drink, Uh, expects him to go home after dinner, and he doesn't, he stays. So David can't get him to go home. In David's eyes, therefore, Uriah has been a moraid b'malchut. He's actually disobeyed the word of a king, and therefore he doesn't kill him outright, although he has the authority to do that. But he sends him back, back to Yoav, to the army general, and says, put, put, uh, uh, um, put Uriah Chiti in the front line, somewhere where he'll definitely not make it. Uriah does that. The war is won, but Uriah is killed and David marries Bathsheba and they live somewhat happily ever after. Um, that's, that's the story. So asks the, the Gemara, just technically, okay, David sinned, he didn't sin there. Yeah, who knows what happened? Forget that. That's not what the issue is. But he's a great tzaddik, David Amir. That there's no question about. The Rebbein Shem is made on what a tzaddik he is. So now he's had relations, he's had an affair with a woman who he knows is married. So he knows she's been previous, she is married. He knows that she has been unfaithful to her husband with him. How can he marry her after that? She's Asura Labal, Asura Laboil. We've learned that already in Yevamot. She's forbidden to both. How can he then marry her? Who officiated at that wedding? Who was the Messiah Kiddushin? How did that work? That's what the Gemara is concerned about. Answer Gemara Hatam Oynes, however, there. The problem was she didn't do it voluntarily. She was summoned by the king. Since she's an Oynes, since she did it against her will, she's not Asura to her husband. Uh, since she's not Asura to her husband, she's not also to him either in the event that the husband dies, which is what happened. So he's technically found a way out of it. And that same Shmuel Ba'nachmeni in the name of Rabbi Yonason, who explains the technique that saved him from sin, although his intention was to sin. Anybody who went out to a war in David's time used to write a get before they went out to war. What does that mean? Says Rashi. The Tosfos brings the Rashi. They give it so as to prevent issues of aguna and issues of Uh, Yevama, that she might have to then marry his husband, brother, or she'll be an Aguna. They won't know whether he was killed or he wasn't killed. So they give a get before they go out to war. In the event that I'm killed in war, um, then this get should take effect from now. So it's a conditional get. The get is triggered. The event that triggers the get is the death of the husband at, at war. And then there's a long Tosis that goes into it. One of the questions Tosis asks, Uriah did come back from, from war. Um, David summoned him and he came back. So that get that he gave before he went is now Batel. So now she's without a get altogether. 
יש לומר שהיה מתנה אם לא יחזור בסוף המלחמה. הפרק הזאת עם בוב מציר, which we'll get to אם ירצה השם, נוח לו לאדם שיבול ספק אשת איש ועל ילבים פני חברו ברבים. You think that having an affair with another person's wife is terrible, of course it's terrible. And the whole world, every civilization knows that it's terrible. But what we know as the Jewish people is there's something even worse. That doesn't make having an affair with somebody else's wife any less. It's terrible. But something's even worse. That's damaging the dignity of another person. מלבין פני חברו ברבים. That's, Jew, that, that's Yiddishkeit, that's Torah. That as bad as, as, as a Yivol Sofakesh's ish, so even worse is Malbim Pnei Chaver. Umapik Lehim Ahayim Aiseh, the Bat Shevan, we learn it from Be'i Sheva, the Sofakesh ish, she was a Sofakesh ish, the Dilma Yachzom in HaMilchama. At the time, she was a Sofakesh ish, because maybe he'll come back from war. Rabbi Nutam, the Farish Rabbi Nutam says they made a proper get, it wasn't a conditional get. She's an absolute divorcee, and then they remarry when they come back from war. In that case, why is it called the Sophic Aishis Ish in Gomorrah Bovimitzia? Why does it call it a doubtful, a, a possible Aishit Ish, a poss- possibly married woman? Because they didn't publicize the fact that she was divorced, because otherwise people would go, would invite her out while he's at war. She's a divorcee, they would invite her. She is a divorcee, but they kept that secret. So nobody knew she was a divorcee, so that's why it's called a safek eshet ish, not because she really was, she was an absolute divorcee, there was no doubt. But, it, but to, in the public's eye, it, she was known to be a married woman. And it's a little bit difficult. Why was David not worried that he might come back? And I, I think one can answer that. David had the power as the king to make sure she didn't come back. So he knew that it was within his hands to make sure that he didn't come back. But Tosfus is a little worried. Why was he not, why was he not worried about that? <laughs> Then we have the Gemara in Bova Metziah that Noach lo l'adam sh'yavol safek yeshedish v'alyabim p'nei chaverim inan. And where do we learn it from? So Rova brings a posuk, a tragic posuk. Uvetzal'i samchu v'neesfu, neesfu alay nechim v'lo yadat. He says, David HaMelech, the great David, that when I was ill, People, people, you would expect people to be sensitive to me, but people came, even lame people in wheelchairs came not to visit me, but they came to, to mock me. And I never did any harm to any of them. What are they coming? What do they want from me in my time of difficulty? Karu says, says the Metzudas, Vahema potchim piyem bischok. And they begin to mock me. They can't stop laughing at me, says David HaMelech. אפילו בשעה שעוסקים בנגרים ואוהלות אומרים לי, explains the Gemara, what is David saying, that even when I'm busy teaching נגרים ואוהלות, I'm teaching the most difficult and complex parts of שעס, I'm giving a shir, in the shir, somebody will put up their hand and say, דוד, הבועל אשת איש מיטתו במה, just remind us if somebody has a relationship with another man's wife, what is the punishment? ואני אומר להם, and I answer them, מיטתו בחנק. He's, there's a death sentence by strangulation. However, after he's been strangled, his neshoma is still intact. He has kapara. But what you've just done, to embarrass me in public, 
אין לו חלק לעולם הבא. You must know you have no חלק in העולם הבא. That's how Rashi would answer them. And Tosfus is Bob Metziah proves from here that it's not just Safek Eshet Ish, that even Abal Eshet Ish, proper if it's a real relationship with a real Eshet Ish Vadai, it's still worse than, it's, it's still not as bad as Malbin Pnei Chaveroi Berabim. And we need to, um, so, so that understanding of what that is, if a person does, it's a, it's a terrible thing, a person does, uh, has a relationship with another man's wife, uh, so firstly you've done him damage, you've done her damage. We know what the halakha is, she's got to divorce her husband and she can't marry the lover. She, it's, it's terrible, it, it's just completely tragic and it messes up with everything. So we can picture that. You can look at that and anybody from any civilization, any age can understand that's a terrible, terrible thing. To put Malbim Pnei Chavera next to that and say Malbim Pnei Chavera is even worse because there's nothing you can do for the tshuva. Because you can ask the person to forgive you so the person forgives you. But what you did can't be, can't be reversed. The fact that once a person has been embarrassed in public, once a person has dignity has been attract, attacked, what can you do... And you can restore his dignity, you can apologize to him in public, whatever. But those moments of loss of dignity, that pain can't be retrieved. That can't be restored. There's absolutely nothing you can do for that. And it's just, it, it, it's so beautiful to understand that, that, that with all of this, that, and David is aware of that. David's aware, yes, it's mitato b'chenek. I understand. I did something terrible. And I live with it all my life. And, and I've had to pay the price for it. And my first son with Bathsheba died as, as a result of, that, of this. And that would have been the son who would have built the Beis HaMikdash instead of Shlomo HaMelech. This, is so, this was a terrible tragedy for me. It was a tragedy for Uriah. It was a tragedy for everybody. And yes, even if you figure out halachically it all worked out okay and she was actually a divorcee, it was still a terrible thing. I acknowledge it, says David HaMelech. But what you've just done is worse. That, that's the piece that we, that we really have to take away and understand from that. There's an interesting um, comment of Rabbeinu Avrom ben Harambam, the son of the Rambam. In his, uh, we have Shaiz and Shuvas of, of the Rambam's son. And he comments in passing, the Abba Merizal haya sover ger toshav. The Rambam held, and there's a lot, a lot of evidence to support that, that Uriah was not Jewish. Um, and that therefore the marriage to Bathsheba was not a valid marriage in any event. So there are lots of ways we, we see that technically David was saved from doing something terribly wrong. But David understands morally, ethically, what I did was still to, however you want to do it. Uh, and, and we learn from this also that you can find all sorts of technical coolers to get out of difficult situations. Uh, you're dishonest in your taxes, but it's this and it's, oh man, I can find this reason and that reason. Treat somebody badly at work and you, it's this reason, it's that reason. There was a lovely comment somebody sent me that uh, a young man asked Rav Pam. A young yeshiva man was going into the business world for the first time. He comes from yeshiva, koilo, protected life, never been out into the world. He's taken a job in a corporation. And he went to Rav Pam and he asked Rav Pam, what, give me some guidelines as a front person in the secular world. What are the things that I should do? And he said three things. Let me see if I can remember all three. He said, the first thing is make sure you work harder than anybody else there. The second is make sure you're more honest than anybody else there. And there was a third thing also about, about Kiddush Hashem. Nothing about don't look at women and be careful about uh, just be a Kiddush Hashem. Just be a Kiddush Hashem. Um, 
so so no matter how you can always find a heter for almost anything. Chazal says there are 70 ways you can find also, 70 ways you can find muta. If, if you have the knowledge, you can find heterim. That's not what it's about. What we learn from David Amalek is that all the technical heterim are there. We've got sugis of Gomorrah working out that technically he didn't do anything wrong. But for David Amalek, that's why we can't say you did wrong, because technically he didn't. But for David himself, he lives with this his entire life. And as bad as that is, Malbim Pnei Chavera also. What Avera did I do? Malbim Pnei Chavera. I wasn't Mechal Shabbos. I didn't eat treif. I didn't. What did I do? I just, I just said something. Yes, but the outcome of that was Malbim Pnei Chavera. And for that, there's no tshuva. For that, there's no, the, the Olam Habo is diminished as a result of that diminishment of human dignity. And what is the connection between Malbim Pnei Chavero, between embarrassing somebody in public, depriving somebody of their dignity, and the Isur of, of Eshet Ish, of having an affair with a married woman? What is the connection? Why are they even compared to one another? Because in both cases, there's an element of abuse of power. You have the ability to seduce a married woman and to demonstrate your power over her and over her husband. Uh, that's, it's a power issue. A lot of the, the, the terrible behavior that we have in, in intersexual matters is a power issue. Rape is the most extreme form, but seduction is also a power issue. And to take another man's wife is an extreme example of exerting one's own power and abusing one's power at the expense of another human being. And Malbim Pnei Chavero is the same. I have the capacity because of my status or because of who I'm considered to be or whatever the case or the circumstance... I have the capacity to take your dignity away from you, to rob you of your dignity, to pull, your de- your, to pull you down to lower levels of, of self-esteem and of esteem in the eyes of other people. I have that power. And using that power is abusing that power. In both cases, using one's power at the, extent, at the expense of another human being is abusing one's power. And any case of abusing one's power is something which is, which is a serious avir, something which is a, a, a serious transgression. And if we link that back to what we've been discussing in the last few days, the fact that um, Kedusha is, is there where, when there's an, a separation of, of the sexes, when the natural attraction and the energy between the sexes is managed according to halakha and is mastered according to halakha, then Kedusha results. So where a person has sexual power, when a person has the ability to rape or to seduce, God forbid, uh, and, and even another person's wife, um, and he chooses not to, he's careful not to, not to abuse his power, that generates the energy of Kedusha. And in exactly the same way, and here is the important Kedush, the important new idea of this whole piece of Gemara, that in exactly the same way, if you have the power to attack somebody's dignity, if you have the power to insult or embarrass another person, and you don't do so out of respect for that person and understanding of the tzelem elokim, of the image of Hashem in which that person is created, then by resisting the pull, by resisting the urge and the energy of abusing your power and bringing somebody else down and holding your mouth shut and remaining in a dignified way and treating the other person with respect, that too brings kedusha to the environment, to oneself and to the other person. 